Would you say that this is going better or worse than you imagined 18 months ago? There was a period of time where I was going to say I thought it wasn't quite as bad as it could have been, but it kind of feels like in the last handful of months, it's become as bad as expected. Yeah, I, I don't think we're getting a lot of the master negotiator stuff I think we had bargained for. No. So do you remember, um, I just sent this to you, but about, I think, three months before, or actually like five months before the election, the Boston Globe made a fake newspaper of kind of what they thought things would look like uh, a year in? I don't, I don't remember this. I mean, that, that, you know, a few months before the election may as well have been like 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this turned out to be not that wrong. We'll put a link in the show notes, or like I, I assume you can find a link to the document online. But like, other than the one thing, the the one thing that's if you couple with kind of how 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 badly things are going, um, is that I th- there has been surprisingly little reaction from like the financial markets related to um, a misguided or dangerous uh, policies that have economic ramifications. That hasn't really kind of cemented itself, but also like the fact that so few Republicans who aren't Jeff Flake or John McCain, and even their opposition is like really, really half-assed. Yeah. Or what? What's the term for like half-hearted? There we go. Where, where there's no actual follow-through. Like, sure, the outrage allegedly is there, but also uh, I'll, no- I'll I'll bark and no bite. As you and uh, Nate Silver are famous for saying, yeah, that that is one of my priors, and my priors is that most of the Republicans are full of shit. Like, I really thought that there would, because that's been kind of the thing for a really long time. Is there's always kind of like, well, what's the point of no return, or what's what's the thing where Republicans can't look back and they have to break with the party and they have to just think of America first, or like America first in the actual true term, but not not in the perverted Trump way. And that just—it doesn't happen. It just keeps not happening. So can I can I kind of put you on the spot slash ask a personal question? Sure. So you, I, I believe you've been a registered Republican, right? In the past. So are you are you no longer? I am no longer. Okay. It's been that way for a bit. Okay. I again, uh, in the old days, I, w- I would say I am uh, fiscally conservative and socially liberal, which I which I which is become a lot less like it's it's very meaningless to say that these days but i do believe in a lot of ways small government is overall the best strategy but in terms of civil like it's like a lot of things the government has no business in so the whole using the government to try to push an uh, ideological and evangelical agenda is not really my thing so yes i know that i i am a registered democrat because you know that well, so then that 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 was a great question because that brings us to the to the other thing I want to talk about. So yeah, because the left is just really hitting it out of the park these days, right? Am I sensing some sarcasm? A little bit. So I I, I managed to sleep through this. <laughs> I overslept until like ten a.m. and apparently I missed on Tuesday a huge liberal Twitter microcosm controversy. Do you remember what this is about? I do. Can I ask you a quick question though? Or uh, just maybe we can spark something here. Sure. We, like, we need to come up with a name for this. Uh-huh. So the, the phenomena where 
on a normal day where you wake up when you're supposed to, you're up and around, mm-hmm. and like nothing happens. You know, you get maybe a text or two. News is kind of just normal. Well, I mean, as, as normal as things are these days. But then, like no, that like one, <laughs> okay, the, the one morning where you sleep in a little bit, you're running later, or whatever. You wake up and it's like 18 push notifications from the New York Times. It's 10 from Bleacher Report. It's like eight text messages from different family members. It's just it's crazy. Like what we need a name for that. I'm sure the Germans do. Germans have a name for everything. <laughs> or like like a, like a smaller example of it'll be like. You know, you're having you're having a pretty quiet day, not really any, you know, texts or notifications you need to address. Then you step into like an hour meeting, and during that hour meeting, it's like you get four missed calls, a couple of texts. No, can like, can, I, can I give a counterpoint to that? Or or uh-huh. kind of an example that keeps happening to me is I'll be in a meeting or I'll be doing something where I can't pay attention to my phone or my watch, and you'll just be talking to somebody for like twenty minutes and your wrist keeps tapping, you're like, What what the fuck is going on? Like, cause you just keep like it and it's like, you're like, this seems like a lot. And I'm like, like, this probably isn't just like that somebody's like hyperactive in a slack or something. Like it, it's like, okay, one of those is probably a New York times alert, then a Washington post alert. Like, are, are we at war? Like what, what is even going on right now? Right. So yeah, so that, that, that does keep happening. So we, we should think of a name for that. We should. I'll, well, we'll, 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 we'll I'll sleep that. on that. And then during that sleep, we'll be at war. <laughs> uh, okay. So to answer your original question here. So this this little mini drama around the daily all started with the end of monday's episode they did something that they almost never do which is tease what's coming on tomorrow's episode i I can't even think of another time where that's happened and that's why it stood out to me on monday i thought huh that's kind of weird they specifically called out this stephen miller interview that they're going to run tomorrow but i just chalked it up to oh well they must think that it's you know, pretty newsworthy. So they kind of wanted to drum up some interest around it. And then Tuesday morning's episode comes around and they sort of start the episode explaining why we're not going to hear that interview. Although the explanation they give isn't super clear. Mm-hmm. It's basically just along the lines of the the White House asked us not to run the audio. And so then people got all up in arms about how the New York Times is catering to the will of the Trump White House, et cetera, et cetera. And it wasn't until after that little you know, um, outrage started that the New York Times sort of clarified what happened, which was they had had this interview with Stephen Miller for a um, newspaper piece that they ran over the weekend. They recorded the conversation just for fact-checking, fact-checking purposes. Uh, they did not ever request running the actual audio itself. They came back to the White House subsequently to ask if they could use the audio for the podcast, and the White House asked them not to. So to me, the only mistake, well, I guess there's kind of one and a half mistakes. The half mistake being don't tease tomorrow's daily episode until you're sure what's going to run. But then like the real mistake that was made was the initial explanation just wasn't fully fleshed out enough. I, I think everything you've said is fair, but also I I just don't care. Like I, I th- like this is I'm getting really frustrated with like the self defeating, uh, like infighting uh, of like the American political left, especially with like liberal Twitter, because like stuff like this will happen in like the day like the Daily and also the New York Times as a more general institution has done a ton of excellent reporting 
in trying to hold this administration accountable and be one of the institutions that would like to not see the United States devolve into an authoritarian state. Is that fair? That's fair. Okay. So then we have like, like just all these, oh, you're gonna have to edit a lot of this out. All these fucking li- like, uh, like hyper-partisan liberals who like armchair, uh, they're all nuclear negotiation specialists. Everybody knows everything on Twitter. And it seems like there's like this, like this weird, really vocal group of people on Twitter and, and in the media that seems to think that the New York Times needs, and, and, and a lot of, uh, whatever people seem to think is the um like honest or like uh like mainstream media with like a reputation they feel that like unless they are constantly saying like just yelling at the front page of the newspaper like trump is a liar that like the new york times needs to be the uh, like the leftist equivalent of state media for uh like just attacking the the president like and and i don't get it i i don't see how a bunch of people lashing out at one of the only institutions that's actually making a difference and keeping the country informed is is a positive way to spend your time. Like any time, like because I've excised Twitter out of most of my life, luckily. But then Twitter has that whole "in case you missed it" thing, so then I can catch up on all all, all the the bullshit controversies I missed over the the past twenty four hours. And you just see a bunch of people like yelling at Maggie Haberman because she used the term like uh like uh un like unverified falsehoods there's like some something that the new york times uses to not constantly put on the front page uh trump lied and you just have all these people just attacking one of the only groups that's actually doing the right thing i just don't get it the the left and the democratic party can't get their shit together enough to actually win elections and get people behind a coherent message yet everybody manages to find the time to attack the washington post and the new york times and everybody they think is not going hard enough after the administration when they themselves aren't actually doing anything other than complaining in 140 characters so i i don't disagree with any of that and i think your point around the Democrats being largely focused on the wrong things is well said. And I think their biggest issue going into the midterms this year and even thinking ahead to 2020, I mean, this is not an original thought. It's been brought up many times, but I think it's worth reiterating. It's a party that doesn't really have a ton of vision and doesn't really have a very strong message. Yeah, their vision is we're not Trump and that's not a fucking vision. Right. I The only thing that I do maybe disagree with you a little bit on and i see what you're saying but i i do actually take issue with it a little more is the new york times reluctance to ever use the phrase lie or lying um and i you know i've i've read their explanation as to why i get it but i i do get a little irritated by that now i don't spend a lot of my time and energy thinking about that but but I do, I do think that's a bit of an issue, and I, I wish it's something that would be revisited. So, I, I like I I see that as being an total like a tire an entirely valid point. Like I I get that, but I think like and again, it's it's mostly the social media stuff where the attacking of the people doing the reporting and on the institution 
of being like, like you're as bad as Fox News or like with the Stephen Miller thing. Oh, the New York Times has no integrity. They're a puppet of the White House. They're trying to protect their access journalism. So they're not willing to speak truth to power and get this monster Stephen Miller in his own words. So a bunch of people drinking their morning coffee, a bunch of coastal elites can can listen to the daily. Like, I get it. But also, it's not helping. It's not moving the football forward. So like, if it makes you feel good, like that's fine. And we can have debates about whether or not the word lie should be used more and it probably should because you know what like a president is like a, the one thing he's actually good at is being a professional liar like but i i i just see this as, as, as a bunch of garbage and i and i the, the daily thing was kind of the breaking point for me where i'm like yeah don't ever look at any at replies to anybody it's not it's not it's not good like when my uh, when Mike Barbaro uh, posted the his little like the statement from the New York Times communication piece, like the the replies were were garbage. The 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 Daily Thing in particular, it not only is everything you said true around people sort of wasting their energy on issues that don't really matter, but even more so in this case. It kind of seems like what, again, I think the only thing they did wrong was their initial explanation wasn't fully fleshed out enough. I think once they provided all of the context as to exactly what happened, it all sounded really reasonable to me. And I'm obviously no journalistic expert, but I just presume that that's sort of how those things work, where when you do an interview, you set ground rules around what's on the record, what's off the record how the interview is going to be used, whether or not the source material is going to be published. Like these are all things that I just assume happen. And so the fact that this sort of back and forth occurred between the White House and the, the New York Times, I assume is just totally normal. Like I, I assume it is. And, and at the end of today's episode, he was clearer in terms of why there was um, ambiguity around it. I mean, personally, I think the only outrageous thing with the New York Times is that they can't afford higher quality room mics when they do interviews with folks on at various sites. So, so real quick, I appreciate the consummate professional that you are because that was an excellent transition to get us away from this angry <laughs> topic. And, and I want to make sure you know that doesn't go unnoticed. But oh, here's thank the, you. But here's the thing. It's going to stay angry because come on, ESPN. What do you like? It's so many listen to the audio quality of this show well you know what's really strange with the spn is even their ads like the ad reads the pre-recorded ad reads it all sounds like ham are... radio what what are you right. doing come on your technology company like i have to assume well so there's a couple different things happening there's that which we'll come back to in a second then there's the issue around you know when they have guests on like when someone's on the zach low podcast Instead of spending the, you know, hundred bucks like a, it would take to get someone. Right. No, is that the guy from Beats One? Oh, no, no, no. That's... Who the hell's uh, Zach Lowe? He's a NBA writer for ESPN. Uh, you're thinking of like... Uh, well, is yeah, Beats One I, still a thing? I don't know. Okay. Okay, Zach um, Lowe. Z-A-C-H? Yeah. L-O-W-E. And the name of his podcast is The Low Post, which is a really, really good name. Um, his middle name is Ulysses. That's pretty good. Oh. But anyway, so he, you know, when he has a guest on, it was the same when Bill Simmons had a podcast on ESPN, too. It's gotten better since he's been on The Ringer now. 
But like these guests call in from what sound like a Motorola rocker or something from like, you know, a basement somewhere. Payphone and like Duluth. The, right. Like the, the audio quality just could not be any worse. And I just like, I get sometimes that that's probably unavoidable, but especially for guests who are regularly on, you know, send them a $75 USB mic and, you know, have some intern fly out one time and show them how to use it. And then, you know, you're good to go. It's <laughs> it's just, it's kind of amazing that they don't make that kind of investment. Some intern. Um, but, but you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but then the you know the other thing is going back to the the other point around like their pre recorded ad reads and stuff. Yeah, they they do they sound like they're on the radio, and it's I assume that's like an intended effect, and that there's someone who thinks that that's like a neat style, but it it's very odd. So I've never looked if to see if it's like file size. Like I like part of me thinks like hey they're trying to save bandwidth and it's like over compression. But our shows aren't that big I don't big think either. so. No, yeah, no, no, no. We, there's there's some pretty easy ways, and I you know thank Dan Benjamin for these tips, how to keep MP3 audio files to a pretty small file size while you know maintaining most original audio quality. Yeah, it, yeah I mean, I I am certainly no sound engineer, and am, and basically self taught this through various tips I've read online, and I I think our show sounds pretty good. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Oh, at least something in America works. That's this show. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Congratulations. That that was extremely elegant of getting us out of here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So before we get into follow-up, let's talk about something less controversial. Okay. Uh, definitive opinions and merits of ranking the best Pixar movies. Where there are there are no uh, wrong opinions except mine. Or, except, sorry, everybody but mine. Well, so since, you know, since the whole fast food ranking thing on The Ringer and how that's been subsequently proven to just be completely bonkers. I'm now really skeptical of any sort of rankings that The Ringer puts out. So I, I was skeptical of this even before reading it. But I feel like after going through the list and seeing the placement of like Coco um, and Inside Out, I, I just, and and even like I would say Ratatouille's too. I mean, there's there's so many problems with this list. I don't even really know where to start. Right. So we're not going to talk too much about their rankings because a lot of them are garbage. Like Coco was like number eleven or something. Get, yeah, get, it's, get it's the, ridiculous. Uh, get the bleeping thing ready. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm really riled up today. Um. Okay. So let's go. Uh, so do you have the Google Doc open? I do. I do not use Google Docs. I apologize. It's going to take forever. Um. Okay. So let's. Yeah, you asked you asked me how to share the document. Which, you know, there's like this big blue share button in the corner. So that, that was a bad sign. There's too many pixels on this monitor. It's, 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 <laughs> it takes my eye as a, a year to pan. Okay. Uh, you, know, you know, actually, it's because you don't have the, the newer one with the wider color gamut. So you just, you couldn't see that color oh, on, yeah. your, on, your old, on your old screen. Yeah, it's like that time logic tells me my computer's too slow. <laughs> right. Whatever, <laughs> Stephen Hackett posted that. What, what is the uh -huh. error exactly? It's it's an error that I've gotten to. It's something about your disk being too slow. Except for him, it wasn't an on like an iMac Pro. And it's like a one gigabits per second SSD. It's like what are you even talking about? Okay, so let's let's get this out of the way. So let's um, sort out the low tier movies. So we're going to start with the one that is the Good Dinosaur because I've literally never watched it, and also I think it's probably not good. So I, I mean, for me, I, yeah. I, so I have to, I guess, separate movies that I haven't seen, which would be. Uh, the Good Dinosaur. I haven't seen Cars three. I haven't seen Monsters University. 
So I'm gonna okay. So and, and that's and those those are the only ones I haven't seen. Um, and I assume you haven't seen those either. I've seen okay. So Cars three never seen. Oh well, so Cars two I know was universally reviled. I've I've only seen the original Cars movie, and that was after so much prodding of people trying to convince me that it was actually a good movie, and it actually wasn't bad. Not, not yeah, my car, favorite. Cars, it was, it was cars fine. Yeah, it, it has it does three acts. It, it it gets the job done. I actually can't. I guess I actually can't tell you whether I've seen Cars two or not. I know I haven't seen the third one, but Cars two is supposed to be the really really bad one. Cars three, I think, is. You know, there's so much merchandising money to be made, but I think they kind of got their act together with Cars 3, but I have no idea. So we'll put Cars one, uh, Cars 2 and 3 in there. So in terms of the other ones, uh, do you remember Brave? Yes. Would you say mid-tier or low-tier? I'd say mid-tier. Okay. All right. And then, and have, you not, have you not seen that one? I have. And I remember liking it just because like, it, it was different. Like just like yes. the scenery, like a lot of the stuff they were doing was very different. The story was not the usual. I mean, it was kind of the the emotional heartstring tugging thing that t- Pixar does, but it, it was it was different. So I think okay that 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 gets you there. So of the list, so I I remember we actually probably for the show watched a Bug's Life. Yes, and I don't remember if I I it I do not remember it, so it probably wasn't it isn't an A list movie. I'm probably gonna say low tier. Well, see, I, see, I think what's wrong with our list so far is I, I feel weird about putting movies I haven't seen with movies that I have seen in the same tier. Eh, well, but, no, but I, I think we. Hmm. Well, so what was your uh, opinion of the bug uh, bu- eh, of a uh, bug's life? I mean, a, bug, a bug's life is okay. of Of the Pixar movies I've seen, I would put it in the low tier. No, okay, then, then it's going in low tier. It will be at the uh, the high end of the low tier. Okay. <laughs> All right, and then. Uh, so what else do we have that you think does not, does not pass, uh, is not worth talking about? Because the rest of these are the hard ones. So Monster University, I watched, not bad. I would probably say the highest of the low tier movies. I I, I haven't seen it. So this this is all you. All right, fine. So let's... So I'm going to jump in and do a whole bunch of things in the top tier section. And you can tell me if you object to any of them. Okay. And and you can narrate if you want to. But Yeah. That... So so up, up is definitely in the top tier. No question. Inside Out is definitely in the top tier. Uh, the Incredibles, I would agree with. Ratatouille has to be there. Wally, of course, has to be there. I think all three Toy Story movies have to be there. Oh, I for, I remember, and again, I, we watched it on the show. I think I forget what happens in Toy Story Two. What what was the whole thing there? Toy Story Two is the God. What does happen in Toy Story Two? I mean, that's where Bo comes in, right? I don't know because all I can think of is uh, Obama's dog, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, solidifies my uh, title as coastal elite. I, th- I mean, I think all the Toy Story movies have to be on there. They're so good. Okay. But you make a fair point about Toy Story 2 maybe being the weakest of the three. Okay. So, did you watch Finding Dory? I did. Actually, recently. Like, in the last six months or so. Okay. Mid-tier or top-tier? <sighs> I would put that mid-tier. Okay. What about Finding Nemo? Same thing? Huh. I mean, com- like, comparatively with the rest of what's on this list... 
Yeah, I think I think mid tier is okay. I mean, it's good. I, top of the mid tier. You to use your parlance. Okay, so as the mid tier looks right now, how do you feel? So we've got Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, Brave, and Cars. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good list. Okay. All right. So here's the really difficult part. Yeah. So I am of the opinion, and I and I don't think this is an unpopular opinion, but I I, I think Inside Out does not get enough credit for being a very deep movie that gets a ton of really difficult storytelling done that speaks to a variety of different audiences done in an extremely uh, elegant manner. So, which, so this, this current list is not in any particular order, except I do kind of, Inside Out is not my favorite Pixar movie ever, but it's up there. So what, what, uh, what do you think needs to be promoted or demoted around here? So I'm a really, really big fan of Ratatouille. I think it, I think it's one of the most charming, original, heartwarming Pixar movies that are yes. out there. It's 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 it is it's really hard to compare to Inside Out because Inside Out is trying to achieve something very different. Like Ratatouille is much more kind of feel good entertainment, whereas Inside Out is much more sort of self reflecting. Mm-hmm. But but I mean I feel really good about both of those being up near the top of the list. Okay. And have you seen The Incredibles 2 yet? I have not, although I, I really want to. So, side note, or a quick derail, I, I kept hoping that, uh, what do you call it, uh, MoviePass would stay in business until I could see uh, the Mister Roger or the Fred Rogers movie and The Incredibles 2. And it looks like I might get my wish. So, <laughs> um, I'm hopefully going to find time to see The Incredibles 2 this, uh, this week in the middle of the day, and hopefully there are no kids. <laughs> so, The Incredibles is a really, really, really good movie. It is. It, it has very good rewatch factor. There are a ton of great characters. Like Edna Mode is still one of the like just like the best characters Pixar's ever made. Um. So yeah. So there's a movie I'd put above it though in a heartbeat. Toy Story one or three. Wally. Ooh, okay. So here's the, the I love Wally. I feel like having re. I. Hmm. So the, so here's here's the counter argument to Wally. And it's I, I love it. It's it's one of my favorite Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. But the the biggest negative I'll say about it, they chickened out with. So the original vision for that movie, you remember the first twenty minutes of the movie, yeah. silent movie, mm-hmm. that was supposed to be the whole movie. The original script, the original screenplay, was an entirely silent film, and Disney chickened out, and then they adopted a. What I would say is a much more sort of conventional plot, especially the the back half of that movie kind of follows a very predictable kind of standard format. But those first 20 minutes are just so original and so creative. And had they just stuck with their guns and made that the whole movie, oh, that would have been so good. So I guess when, like, when I think about Wally, I really do... Like I don't, I don't think about the big and large and the whole spaceship thing at the end. Like I, I really, I really think about those first fifteen twenty minutes because Wally is tricky, just in the sense like that. Like a lot of time, like I even have, like I just have like a, a folder in my Dropbox of just like stills in in high res of the Wally movie, just because like there's just certain parts of it that are just so, just beautiful. That just yeah, like, imagine that imagine that movie in 4K HDR. Oh my god! If they if they if they made a Disney branded television set that literally like they're like you know we we invented a new kind of DRM and that's the only movie you can watch it on, 
I'd get that. <laughs> like, so, but no, like, that's the thing where I, I don't, the fact that it was a preach, we're not talking, we're not going to talk, talk about the left again, but like, because it, because it became kind of a preachy movie about environmentalism and a whole bunch of other stuff, like that doesn't really bother me. But I do think that the, the more I've watched it, the human aspect of the movie is actually like a big downer. It is. It it, it detracts from a from a, a a spectacular movie. I think I think that's exactly right. But I do think it would have limited the audience had they not done that. So it would have been less successful overall. And it, and if had that jeopardized us seeing this partially flawed movie, I would have been bummed about that. So I I, I, I see. I, I I don't I don't agree. I I think if Disney would have stuck to it, I think they would have had a really really successful movie. I think that would have gotten people talking about it. But anyway. I don't think kids um, would have cared. Yeah. Um, so I, I, Coco's got to be pretty high up on this list. So I have to rewatch that movie because I remember it being very good. But I, yeah, I, I, hmm. So where do you think that? So after Wally or above? I would, no, I would put it above Wally. Mm. And we're, mm. we're, well, we're going to have to have a conversation about up as well. Mm, no we're not because of the first 10 minutes that have messed me up for the last 15 <laughs> so well so here here's my story about up i saw that in theaters either opening weekend or like the weekend after sometime shortly right after it came out i have not rewatched it since okay for, for exactly the reason you just alluded to well, where no, but, mm-hmm. that that first 10 minutes I, I i can't i can't think about it too hard just because it, that is not the fault of a movie just because a movie no, affected no, 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 you just, I, no 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 i'm not no i'm not i'm not saying it's a bad thing i'm but what i'm what i'm getting at here is that was eight years ago nine years ago that movie came out what 2009 2010 something mm-hmm. like that so it's been a, it's been a while since i've seen that movie and all i can really tell you about it is that the dog is adorable and the first 10 minutes are really, really tough to watch. Yeah, Doug is the original sporty. Right. Uh, oh, he's such a good dog. So, I'm, so I won't, if, if you have strong feelings about Up, I won't fight you on it, but it's just, it's just been a while since I've seen it. It's a very good movie. So the thing is, actually, the the middle, like, the, the actual, like, action climax part, I actually don't care as much for. Um... Yeah, so that's tricky. So actually, okay. So here's the thing. I love the Toy Story movies, but because they chose to remake it so many times. Right. Yes. All of them, like, I remember being on the edge of my seat and, and just being so invested in Toy Story 3 and that it was a great movie. But the franchise, like, each of the other movies that are currently ranked above it are so like impacting and and just uh like long lasting stories that i don't know i i kind of feel okay with how this looks so and i so there's a couple of things here i think the fact that there's now going to be a toy story 4 oh no has has changed the way that i see toy story 3 not in a good way cuz i i do think toy story 3 is really really good but in the moment i remember being in theaters thinking this how like seeing toy story one in theaters that was a completely life-changing experience and like seeing that different type of animation like i remember walking out of that just thinking like holy crap like this is the 
you know, this is like the next big thing. Like I came up with that phrase even before Samsung did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, seriously, like, I just remember thinking like, man, that was something really n- new and different. That was great. And then when Toy Story 3 came along, it came out like right as we were graduating college, like it was about Andy going to college, like it was the end of an era. And you thought that that was going to be like the last time that you saw these characters you grew up with. And the fact that now they're coming back yet again, kind of cheapens some of the effect of that movie. So I'm I'm totally on board with the idea that them going back and revisiting that story three times kind of lessens the impact of each movie individually. And I'm also totally on board with this list overall for another similar reason, which is the thing that kind of bums me out about Pixar is the number of sequels they've done in the last handful of years. Yeah. And even though they've been perfectly good movies for the most part, like I thought Finding Dory was fine. I mean, Toy Story 3 was very good. I haven't seen Incredibles 2, but by all accounts, it's it's like, what, like a 90 on Rotten Tomatoes or something. It's supposed to be really good. But... Like the Pixar movies that I really remember and want to rewatch are the original stories. So I, I love the fact that the the top of this list is all one off original stories. Yeah. So Toy Story one or Toy Story three above. <sighs> I, I'm I guess I would I would probably go one three two because okay. the original the original is just such a classic. And again, I, I to to me like I actually kind of I like knocking toy story 3 down a peg again because of the fact that (laughs) some of the impact that it had on me originally has now been sort of taken away by the fact there's going to be a fourth one because you because you're realizing that disney's greed a la churning out two star wars movies a year because you because you realize no you realize behind the storytelling is just a, a, a a money machine which is which which hurts that's the problem because these are such great stories and when you like in the final 20 minutes of Toy Story 3 when you're like holy shit but everybody's going to die and the, and like spoilers sorry like that was insanely moving and just like oh like that was a really powerful part of the movie and also that made the movie but now this could be another one uh that's pure that that is not because like somebody at Pixar was like oh man there's a story that we have to tell no, it's because merchandising and you have you have and sequels are gold. So, uh, I you're you're right, but I I do want to believe that at least part of the equation is they make a sequel when they feel like they have a good story to tell. Like I don't I don't think The Incredibles was some gangbuster merchandise machine. No, I but I I don't think it is either. I think it kind of is. I, and, and it's the same reason why, um, like, Inside Out had some merchandising. And I think Coco is probably harder to merchandise, too. But that's why they made three of those Cars movie. Like, the first one was fine. It didn't need to be, didn't need to be remade. But, like, I, like I met with, or, like, I, I, I friends of friends with some people who worked at Pixar. And that was it, which was those three movies got made because there's a heck of a lot of stuff that you can sell around it. And if you make a movie that's just passable... The Pixar brand has enough goodwill behind it to to stomach a mediocre movie that just sells tens of millions of dollars of, of cheap plastic merchandise. Yeah, I I get it. I get it. Okay, so Monsters Inc. being where it is, I I rewatched that movie. I don't know a year or two ago. Yeah, it's it's 
it's good. I think it belongs in the top tier, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have super strong feelings about it. Okay. It's cute. All right. So I assume, so, okay. So to round this out, the way the top tier list looks is inside out Ratatouille, the Incredibles, Coco, Wally, up Toy Story, Toy Story three, Toy Story two, and the Monsters Inc. So I assume you probably have a bit of qualms about the top or how the top of the list looks. So what what moves do you suggest, or are you content with this? Well, I, Inside Out is really really good, so I I won't fight you too hard on um, putting Ratatouille over Inside Out. I would probably put Coco over The Incredibles. Um. I think I think Coco does a lot more. I think The Incredibles is is it's a really really fun movie and it has a lot of style to it. But again, this this is it's this is why it's hard, like it's hard to compare like up to Ratatouille. And like and it's hard to compare The Incredibles to Coco cuz they're they're achieving very different things. You know, I'm going to give that to you. Cuz I remember that movie and it's not even just the the uh, uh the Mac SE that was inside the uh the office of like the crossing over place (laughs) that's right it was a good movie and it used and here's one of the things where a lot a lot of pixar movies kind of fail with this it used music extremely effectively yes because like a toy story like blah blah blah, like the you got a friend of me like that kind of stuff like like that's good but this the music doesn't always move the story along or is not that critical to it and that's one thing where with coco it totally was and that's one things with wally where the soundtrack is amazing, but it has to be paired visually to what you're watching on screen for it to actually, and, and it does the thing where it it it, it um, enhances both. Right. Yeah, Coco has a really good story too. Good good twist, which I did not see coming, um, and a good and good good end. Yeah, I got to rewatch that. Okay. Um, I th- we we've talked. I think I made I made the um, well, yeah. That was because you were super psyched to being a 4K HDR. Yeah, I, I made that a uh, former uh, chef special, now chef's corner pick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, are you fine with this list? Let's see, so this is the mid tier: Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, Brave, and Cars. Low tier, mostly movies we haven't seen: <laughs> Monster University, Bugs Life, Cars Three, Cars Two. And the good dinosaur. And another thing in favor of Inside Out that you should like: one, it's a Bay Area movie, which is which is nice. Um, and also, there's the, the the broccoli pizza thing, great. And also for you, it had uh, the Riley played hockey. That's right. I forgot about that. Um, I still think one of the best parts of that movie is during the ending credits when they've got the little like uh, little shorts. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess on the DVD, there's actually like a special feature which flush, flushes this out a little bit, which is like Riley's first date. Oh, where the guy, where oh the 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 view into the teenage boy's mind, and it's just it's, it's just, just girl, chaos. girl, girl, girl. <laughs> That's that, good. I I have I don't think I've ever laughed that hard in a movie theater. I I was I was crying laughing. It was yeah. so good. And then there was a thing. So they also went inside the cat and dog brain, which was which is very good too. <laughs> right. Right. And I'm also, like, I, I, need think, to, I need to rewatch that. It's a good movie, man. Um, and that's actually one of the, uh, the Pixar movies I've seen the most. Like, I think I've watched that through and through like five times. Um, also, Inside Out, was that the one that had Lava as the um, the preceding movie? Oh, man, I don't remember. Because that, oh, it was. Oh, 
And that was, yeah. oh man, I still have that on, that song on Spotify. And every time it comes on, I, I get a little sad and, and kind of very happy. Right. Oh, yeah, it makes me want to go to Hawaii. Uh, all right. Have you never been? I have not. Hmm. Constant humidity, and also it's the fun I don't like. It's, it's the beach and everybody. Being um, I don't think Hawaii's not humid year round. You should look into that. I thought that was the thing where it's just constantly. It just it's always eighty, fifty percent humidity, and can rain at any time. I thought that was just kind of Hawaii's thing. I I don't think that's quite right. Okay, I, it might, might be fake news. Okay, <laughs> so. All right, we're keeping this list, and then we will. Uh, I will. You'll find a way to bury it in the show notes so people don't jump right to that. Uh, yeah. Okay. We'll we'll, we'll figure that out. All right. Yeah. You're the, you're the technology guy. That's right. Um, follow up. All right. We're gonna make this a super short show. All the rest of this is gonna is gonna be just yeah, quick hits. So we'll get the window open. Okay. Something something about Sonos. Yeah, so they've they've partnered with IKEA. This was another in the kind of euphoria around the Sonos Beam uh, in their event earlier this month. This was another part of the event that I totally missed, which is they're coming out with a um, collection of um, speakers uh, in partnership with IKEA um, uh, titled uh, Symphonisk. S Y M F O N I S K, um, and apparently it's you know it's it's going to be fairly good sound quality, but for you know kind of IKEA like prices. So like the 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 quote that they have um, here in the in the Verge article is: "Many people dream of built-in sound systems, but few can afford it. Our goal is for our collective work to save space, get rid of cords, make clutter invisible, and bring sound and music into the home." in a more beautiful way. So that is super interesting because one, it's it's interesting for Sonos to go down market like that, which, and, and I am not knocking Ikea. I, I used to live a very Ikea-based lifestyle. Uh, some of us still do. Um, but uh, apparently this means they're discontinuing because they used to have, so uh, loyal listeners to the show will know about our uh, experiments and, and, and fascination with Trodfree, their uh, Hue-based uh, or Zigbee-based lighting system. But they used to have something called Enabee, and they had a few Bluetooth speakers, which apparently they have discontinued in anticipation of the Sonos thing. Huh. Interesting. Because, yeah, the speaker just looked like, it's just a Bluetooth speaker that just looks like one of those little, um, the thing that fits in the uh, the Billy bookcase cubes. <laughs> it's like an entirely different language. Yeah, it really is. Oh, duvet covers are 20% off if you're part of the IKEA family. There you go. Yeah. When you hear your family. Um, okay, cool. So, and, uh, well, actually, no, yeah, your Sonos is not shipping until the third week of July, right? That's right. Okay. Um, oh, uh, so what was the deal with the, uh, did, did you, I didn't actually read this. Did you get anything from the uh, interview that he had with The Verge? Um, you know, he touched on uh, some interesting things about, like, the lack of um, Atmos support in in the beam which i thought he gave a really good answer was basically along the lines of we think that anybody who's trying to fit atmos into a sound bar is crazy because <laughs> atmos is all about you know multi-speakers throughout the throughout the room well can can you clarify i, I thought the point of atmos was that you could get 5.1 or 7.1 sound with as little as 
like a 2.1 setup. I thought that was the, the point. I mean, I it. think that might be one of the marketing pitches, but no, I think true Atmos involves the traditional, you know, five or seven speaker set. Okay. But you're, but you, but you're getting directional sound. So you're having speakers pointed at different angles and all, all kinds of stuff like that. Okay. Um, and actually kind of a related note, which I'll have obviously more to talk about on next week's show. So this new Jurassic world movies coming out this weekend. Okay. And there's a theater. Is that a sequel? Um, it is, yeah. Uh, there's a theater at the Metreon. It's it's the like the Dolby Cinema screen. They've only got like I think like five or six of these in the country, and it's like this really fancy Dolby setup. That's you know of course got their kind of latest like Atmos sound. It's got whatever their like latest projector is. It's like it's all the like high end Dolby tech in a in a theater. And I've been wanting to to check it out for quite a while. And uh, the lady friend and I bought tickets for this new Jurassic World uh, movie next week to go see it on that screen. So I'm pretty pretty excited about that. Nice. And Dolby is a San Francisco-based company, right? Is they that are, kind of yeah. Why? They're they're right on uh, Market Street, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, yeah, let me know. Let me know how loud the giraffes are. Or the, what do you call them? <laughs> the things. The dinosaurs. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, what what are the dinosaurs that are like giraffes? The uh, bronchiosaurus checks out. I don't know how to spell that, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> are you t- are you gonna tell me that you haven't seen the original Jurassic Park? I have absolutely not. It just turned 25 years old this year. Oh, I thought you said I did. I was gonna be so happy, but I've been. <laughs> um, no, the only you, you should see the original Jurassic Park. Yeah, I'm good. The only reason why I'd, why, why I'd want to see it is that I would get context for that quote that I know is from that movie, which was the thing where I think Jeff Goldblum says, uh, you were too busy wondering if you could, but you didn't think if you should or something like that. Right. I hope that was close. It's, it's in the ballpark. Like from that, uh, from that era, like I, I watched, like I am not a big movie watcher. We've covered that a lot. But like the only movie that I've seen from that seems like from that like three year span is Independence Day. Yeah. Okay. Those are contemporary movies, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was an all right movie. Uh, Jurassic Park is way better than Independence Day. Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, no. But he does. Does the guy in Jurassic Park uh, have a Mac? Was it? Was it? Wasn't that the thing where he has a power book or something? Prominently featured in that movie. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, this is. uh, I can't promise they're all Macs, though. If if there are mid 90s computers, I might be in. Okay. Right. Oh, oh, the mid-90s computers play a very, and I will no spoilers, but they, they play <laughs> a very prominent role in the plot. Okay. Yeah, you have my attention. Okay. All right. Yeah, you, would, you would really like Jurassic Park. It's really good. No, it's not too violent. It's not scary, it's, but it's, it's very, very good. It's probably a very loud movie. Dinosaurs aren't really quite known for being quiet. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, they, they don't have the quiet car on Amtrak. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so maybe um cool and all right arrested development yeah so i want to you put this in the thing this week and i'm i'm intrigued have you watched any of season five so the 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 timing of this is perfect so the lady the lady friend and i just watched the second to last episode of the remixed version of season four uh, right before we started recording we'll, we'll probably watch the last episode after we record, and so we'll probably start season five tomorrow. Okay. Can I can I give a mini review of season five then? Please. No spoilers. Uh, no spoilers. 
Uh, I watched uh, 28 minutes of season five, and it is garbage. Oh, no. It is so bad. Like, it, I would just, uh, I, I, you do your own thing. It was so bad that it really made me question why I like the show at all. Because it, one, like, the thing that some people have mentioned is that, like, everybody looks like they're 50. Like, I, I get that. Like, just people age, and you're, you're trying to remake a series that, like, came out in, like, 2005. But, like, it's so unfunny. It's unfunny. It's, like, slightly vulgar. It's just, it's not funny. And there, there's a lot of maybe in it, which they've eliminated any goodwill or nice parts about her character. Like, it's just, it's so bad. Like, where I, like, literally turned it off. So the the the, the thing that is standing out mostly about season four, I mean, besides the fact that the remixed version is a lot better, it's it's just it's not nearly as funny. Well, that's and that's the thing. It's it's not it's not enjoyable. Like there are some shows where you're like, oh, it's 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 amusing or like it's it's interesting because you're not kind of like Breaking Bad. Like you're not cheering for the like the 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 like you're still kind of confused who the protagonist is, and you're not really sure if you should be like aligning with them. But it's still interesting to watch. Nobody on this show, like I honestly don't even know what the point of anything is. Like quick, like the most minor spoiler. Apparently, uh, uh, Michael works for Google now, for some reason. And like the joke is that oh he's an old person and Google doesn't like old people. Like none of it's funny. Like even the the um, Ron Howard narration stuff isn't funny. I don't know, man. Like I I wanted to like it, but it's so I I hopefully you make it through further and you can have a more thorough review, but. Like, that's one of the problems with Netflix and this whole, like, you know, the whole Expanse thing? Like, some shows, like, when they're canceled, they just they just need to die. The, like, the age of streaming and endless money to spend on content is kind of not giving us better content. <laughs> so, sometimes, you, yeah, yeah, medicine keeping something alive isn't really helping. Huh. So, let me know what you think. Okay. Well, I mean, my expectations are pretty low going into it, so. That's the spirit. And then, much like the Trump administration, it's going to disappoint you. <laughs> AMC. So, man, MoviePass. Okay. Uh, AMC. This this is super... This is interesting. This is late-breaking news. This happened earlier earlier this afternoon. So, AMC is launching a subscription uh, option. And, and a lot of uh, <clears throat> theaters have had something similar to this, but they've always been like, oh, hey, it's $11 a month, and you get to watch one movie a month. And, oh, luckily, we we let them roll over, so therefore, we didn't totally just take your money. So AMC's is actually interesting. So it's 20 bucks a month. It's called AMC Stubbs A-List. And it allows you... So it it, um, it corrects a couple of your knocks against MoviePass. So it allows you to watch IMAX and 3D movies. Um, and it includes all of the AMC locations. Uh, it gives you discounts on concessions and stuff. And it allows you to see three movies a week, which I think is actually really generous or, or like something I did not expect from this. So this is actually super interesting. So I know you you sort of just knocked the other type of model that's out there from like Cinemark does this, where it's like $8.99 a month and it's for one movie a month. Yeah. And then that, you know, that movie rolls over into the next month. I see, to me, a program like that is actually kind of interesting because honestly, the idea of seeing more than one movie a month in the theaters 
is like that's just that's just not not what I would do, I don't think. And so, you know, eight ninety nine a month is actually pretty good. And even like one movie a month is like kind of a lot. So to pay twice that at this nineteen ninety five, which I actually think is a pretty good deal, but I, I don't know if it would be right for me because I just don't like you because you'd really have to see kind of like two movies a month to make this thing really pay off. And I just I don't know if I would do that. You're right, but that's yeah. I I don't know why I have an aversion to that because yeah, Cinemark is actually the exact um, theater chain or or whatever that that they like. I think they own Century Cinemas or whatever it is. Right. Um, like that's where I like their thing because that just feels like it feels like gift cards. Like it feels like I'm just buying less useful money because basically I'm paying basically face value for a movie ticket because like prime time movie tickets are like eleven bucks. And if you go at like non-peak times, it's it's like it's like nine dollars. So it doesn't seem like a savings. It just feels like I'm just turning my money into less useful money. So like just after a year, I've paid for twelve movie tickets, and now I can only see movies at this particular theater chain. Where at least, and that's the thing with Movie Pass, where it, it's just the economic uh, psychology. Where like the fact that you like, and this is the, like the thing we we talked about this in the past with like fixer upper math. Like when you feel like you're getting a deal. Or that you could potentially like over over index or like uh, overdraw on a particular like uh, economic transaction, like that that's a really motivating factor for a consumer, even if the the odds are stacked against you and you won't actually do it. So I don't know. Like I I am super surprised that AMC was this aggressive, because like the the original thing when MoviePass came out, it was like fifty dollars a month, and like people like well like like to, on a economic basis, that's actually. If you're a big movie watcher, actually might still be a good deal for you. But I did not assume AMC would price this at basically one and a half movie tickets. Yeah, I, I think the the pricing on it is really competitive. I imagine though that it's it's a smart strategy. Like getting people to like kind of that that lock in, right? Like I, I think getting people used to this sort of recurring mm-hmm. charge and kind of compelling them to come into the theater more often. Like I actually think I think it's really I think it's smart. I think there's something to it. Yeah. But that is the one thing about MoviePass that is actually the most interesting part is that like it doesn't matter what movie theater it is. Because like I've I've seen two movies in the past like three weeks with MoviePass where both of them were at um in Marin, there's a place called the uh Rafael Film Center that only like shows like independent movies and stuff like that. And they've had two good documentaries that I wanted to see. And like they're never gonna have a thing like that. So therefore like AMC generally only shows like they're not going to show the Fred Rogers documentary or or a, a biopic about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Like that's not going to put butts in seats at AMC. So therefore, like this type of thing, like I I don't I'm not I know I'm not the typical consumer, but I'm not going to go watch uh, Avengers, Batman Wars three, uh, Ant Man Strikes Back because like that's just not the movie I want to watch. And that's well, what yeah, AMC and, traffic's in, right? And I would you know the other point about this too is you know now you know, living in the area that you and I both do now, there aren't really a lot of AMZs up here. So no, I, th- I think Metreon and, and Bay Street are the closest ones. Right, exactly. So where there's a billion Cinemarks or whatever they're called or Century Theaters. Right. So yeah, so so a big part of this is the, the, the movie theaters you go to, like if you if I still lived in San Francisco and was going to AMC regularly, then sure, this might make some more sense. But, you know, now this 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 isn't gonna, you know, I don't think this is going to appeal to me. Doesn't move the needle. No. Um, all right. Uh, more media news. Um, Disney is sweetening their sweet 
Sweet to Ning, their offer for um, most of Fox's assets up to $71 billion outbidding Cable Town. Yeah, I think I think this is probably what most expected. You know, this is this is sort of a classic bidding war. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I mean, Disney Disney's clearly serious about moving forward with the deal, and I think at this point, a billion here, a billion there, they they just want to get it done. Yeah, that is really weird. Where um, <laughs> Comcast, I, I, I forgot like a couple weeks ago when Comcast made a competing bid, and everybody's like, it's like like some rich kid coming by like out like just buying up all the like the ski lift tickets or something like it, it's like just why like they were trying to make a case of like why is this better for customers like they're like even in their press release like they're like yeah we know that disney ideologically is a better fit but we're we're spending more money so who cares which is kind of a weird situation because disney is going to be a better steward actually well, honestly is that true I mean, I, I think so. Creatively, maybe, but in terms of for diversity of content, I'm not sure. About, eh, who knows? Yeah, but also Comcast owns everything. Yeah, they really do. Like that's the thing. I was like at, at the movies. You, you see, whenever you see, um, like the little um, studio. What do you call them? Like the little things where like it's a three second pre roll thing of showing what studio made the thing. Like the like so many of them just say like a Comcast company. You know, like. They own them too. Yep. Yeah. It's like how like Coke and Pepsi own every. Oh yeah. Uh, have you ever looked at what brands Procter and Gamble owns? It's oh, literally right. everything. Right. Like, have who does Procter and Gamble? Uh, no, it's Unilever that owns Gillette, which bought that Dollar Shave Club thing. I think Harry's is still independent, even though their products aren't very good. No, I think Harry's got bought too, didn't they? Did they? Or maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking of Dollar Shave Club. Yeah, I think that's owned by Gillette. Which, yeah, which is owned by one of the two. All right, and then uh, lastly, in follow up, uh, Microsoft is taking on Amazon Go, and they are going to try to uh, do checkout free retail as well, which is interesting. Um, yeah, not really sure where that's going to go, or that's probably going to take a while to to see what actually comes of it. But um, it's interesting that multiple people are taking a look at that space. Yeah, I mean it. It's definitely the direction that retail is headed. And, you know, there's obviously lots of social implications to that. But the way that technology, the way the technology is going, that's, I think, where, where retail's got to go. So Microsoft would be smart to, to think about that. Yeah. The one thing I'm not sure we've talked about in prior discussions is I, I found it interesting that this is all uh, camera based rather than like RFID or any type of like tracking based. That's that's how Amazon's is too, right? No, it is, and that's yeah. We're like, wasn't that the future of like all inventory to be tracked using RFID stuff? Right. I mean, I guess that makes sense because like, people could probably like find a way to shield that so it's easier to steal. But yeah. Um, and that does it for follow up. All right, let, let's um, we're gonna make this a brief show because you're you're feeling ill and uh, and to give people time back. Uh, what do you what what's 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 good? What do you talk about? I kind of I want to hear a little bit about your August smart lock situation. Oh, we'll talk about that next week. Okay. Yeah. That implies that one is on its way. So yeah. Ah, okay. Kind of, Very good. Did, did you did you do that deal? Yeah. Yeah, that was the way to go. Because that's literally the thing is the keypad. Because even like it's not even because here's the thing I'm probably gonna turn off all the auto unlock. I like I don't even want Bluetooth involved in this. I don't want any of that. I don't trust any of it. 
it's it's the just the fact that if I don't if my hands are kind of full and I don't want to dig my keys out of my pocket, it's it's just that. Yeah, yeah. The the, key, the keypad's good. It's it's key. I'm I'm kind of surprised that there's not a standard package that comes with that. Yeah, that's that seems critical, or that seems like the, like the, rather than that little thing you're supposed to put on your door that tells you is the door open or not or whatever it is. Although, so real time follow up mm-hmm. with the with the the August Smart Lock, I have finally found the first useful thing to use Siri for, which is so the August the the Apple Watch app is kind of unreliable, which is which is not what you want for something that's unlocking your front door. Um, but the HomeKit integration with Siri is fantastic. So the little command, the little voice command to unlock your front door with your watch, that's that's pretty nifty. He, uh, that's no. I, hmm. Well, I would give it a try. Well, but, it, but if you're going to talk, you're literally talking to your watch, like rather than just getting out your keys. It's it's easier. Hmm. It's easier than using a keypad. Is it? How? It's quicker. I don't think it is. How long does it take for you to enter four numbers? I mean, you know, again, we have ours kind of tucked away in the corner. Oh, yeah. What happens when your watch t- says, I'll tap you when I'm ready? It doesn't, it doesn't really do that with the, the HomeKit stuff. Oh, because I, I assume it's because you're on Wi-Fi or because you, because when you get within range of your house, you're probably on Wi-Fi and the Apple Watch is on Wi-Fi too. Right. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we will see next week. Okay. Uh, arrives tomorrow, so that'll be a that'll be a project. Very good. Um, let's let's talk about pos- uh, podcasting for a minute, and then we'll do our chef stuff. Okay. Uh, so Google has introduced a because Google has tried like three different times of like trying to figure out what they want to do with podcasts. So first they had Google Listen, which was part of like Android four. Then they made um. Weren't podcasts like part of Google Play Music or something? Yeah, they were. Yeah, which, uh, yeah. So apparently they've released just like super bare bones. It's like a very plain podcast app for uh, Android, which also has the benefit of linking into um, the Google Assistant and their um, uh, voice in a can stuff too. Which is interesting and also another validation of the of the medium and, and that as being... Um, a place where more attention is being spent by users and also advertisers. So, I mean, I think anything that gets more people listening to podcasts that is not um, some kind of like creepy locked in thing like Stitcher is, is good. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's kind of crazy that there's been this lack of quality podcast apps on Android for as long as there's been like for a while you could kind of point to podcasts still being kind of this niche thing, but it does. It does feel like in the last handful of years, it's it as has been exhaustively talked about on our show. It's it's become a, a more mainstream form of media. So, um, yeah, because like like Android's got to get on board. Because that's that is the weird thing, and that's one of like those ecosystem things where I think a lot of people don't really um, pay attention to that. Which is uh, iOS has an advantage where Apple is willing to nurture and and develop like fair like even though a lot of times they're overly simplistic but like very good first party applications for a particular type of thing where like if you want like a decent media player or a good music player on android there isn't really anything like that like the built-in music player on android is is terrible 
Whereas Apple gives you a full featured um, podcast client, which I mean, again, for most power users or people who listen to more than a handful of shows, it's probably not to their tastes. But with Google and Android, like my beloved Pocket Cast, like they do do a um, cross platform thing, and their Android app is best in class. But the thing is, Pocket Cast also does have a business model from day one, and therefore it costs five dollars a month. And Android users are even less likely to pay for software than iOS users are, which is also a very low bar. So therefore, um, probably very few people on Android use Pocket Casts. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool. Um, uh, I, w- I always find it super interesting of like, you can see on this Verge article of when uh, a podcast app or somebody is like giving promotional screenshots of who makes the cut of like who the, the they think are like a good sample of just representative podcasts and the daily makes a, makes an appearance is, is part of the interruption still on the air. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, pretty interesting, but um, there was another thing. I think it was Ernst and Young, or who, who was the, the researcher that did the thing? Oh, it was PwC um, about advertising spending where uh, spending on podcast ads rose 86% year over year. Um, and overall, if you compare it to um, spending on advertising on terrestrial media, it's still, of course, uh, is dwarfed by a factor of probably 100 to 1 compared to what people spend on regular radio. But um, yeah, interesting that the amount of money people are spending on podcast ads is pretty pretty strong. $313 million on podcast ads which means Casper and Sunbasket and everybody else is probably selling a lot of mattresses. <laughs> well, actually, I do have a question about that, where uh, Mike Hurley of Relay FM made a joke, or not a, not a joke, actually, this I think is probably being pretty earnest about it, is that one of his goals for his podcast network of how he would think like that he kind of made it beyond like the whole recognition that he got on being on stage at WWDC. Like he was saying, like he really wanted, like kind of like in a Mad Men style thing, like he wanted a car company to advertise. When do you think podcasts like break away from just like these weird, like just like four companies making mattresses and just people trying to send food to your house with dry ice? Like when does it, when does like Ford and like Coca Cola, like when do like traditional like brands that focus on like brand awareness, like when does that break through? I think it's all about the the audience where because podcasts are still focused mostly on a more tech savvy audience, the types of products and services that are being advertised on podcasts tend to speak towards that type of audience. So the more mainstream brands like Ford are going to demand a more mainstream audience. So it, I think it's going to have to wait until podcasting becomes, you know, even even more mainstream than it's already become. Because it's, you know, as as broad as it's appealed now, it's nowhere near, obviously, traditional TV and radio. That's probably true. But I mean, honestly, as the as the audience for those other two mediums shrinks, like the, the dollars have to go somewhere and they've, they've got to figure it out. I mean, pod, podcasting is on the right side of the trend, whereas TV and radio are on the wrong side. Yeah. All right. Uh, you got anything else before we jump into, uh, wow, we might actually make it to an hour. No, well, yeah, close, close, close. All right. Uh, do you have anything else? No, let's do it. 
Let's All do right. the the chef chef's corner. All right. What's in or what's out on the menu? So I, I like that tagline. Um, it will freeze you up to not have it just be a consumerist. Hey, go buy this thing. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm taking mine this week in that that your your new your new direction here, which is sort of this dilemma that I've run into more and more. That I want to see if you experience something similar. Like, do you remember being younger and yes. especially like <laughs> yes. Especially during like a time like summer break. This is kind of why this is kind of top of mind now. Mm-hmm. And how when you had all that free time over summer, you could like really sink your teeth into stuff. Like if you wanted to do like this big project yeah. or if you wanted to learn about something, yeah. you could just spend hours and hours and hours getting into it. Yeah. And now you just you just can't do that. And like the house has been totally like we've we've joked about this on the show and it it will continue to be a running joke on the show. Like the sprinkler system that I have here at the house, like it's just it's this maze of pipes and controls and like I, I'm I'm learning more about it and kind of ways to optimize using it and all that, but it's just like my biggest challenge is just it's just time. It's just not being able to have the six to seven hours to just really go piece by piece and figure it all out. It's just like little bits here and there. And that's all kinds of little things around the house, like, you know, wanting to run Ethernet to this room over here, and like all these things, like, what? Nothing. Please continue. That remind me of something. Um, so, yeah, just not having the time to, like, really want to do the, the projects that you want. So that that makes total sense, and and that that is tricky for a couple of reasons, because one of the things that I've, I've always... Um, belly ached about is that people like especially people our age ish or maybe maybe three years ago where like there's these young younger people where they they just like will say they watched uh 11 episodes of making a murderer or something on on like a saturday and then you just like you just kind of wonder like well like what how does anything else get done or, or what are you doing and like that that's the thing no you're totally right where like you Without these sustained periods of like time, like even your weekends, like if you wanted to devote like two days to doing something, like well then when when is literally anything else that you needed to get done going to get done? Like, are you just going to shovel that all on your on your partner? That that doesn't really work that way. So yeah, I like that is that is the thing where if you wanted to like, let's say I think um, there was some Lego set where you could buy what's what's the big spaceship that that uh Han the millennium Wookie. falcon yeah yeah millennium falcon uh, they have or the, uh, the, the the falcon as as you as you like to say oh it's a you okay uh-huh. yeah so uh if i go to google or if i go to um what's what's that called lego uh for 799 dollars you can buy a linea millennium falcon uh, apparently there's a limit of five um you could build this 7500 piece uh thing to make this thing and that's something that you can never do. No. Because literally, you have actual things to do. Well, and, and also, I've asked a lady friend if I could buy that. And she said, no. It's <laughs> Again, not even she a... Said, not even a maybe for your birthday, it's maybe no, when you're dead? No, yeah, this was, this was a, a hard no. Well, because, you know, her point was, where the hell are we going to put this thing? <laughs> well, in the guest bedroom. Well, not, actually, yeah, I guess I, I guess I have not asked the question since no, we do not, moved do, into the house. Do not, I, I'm gonna, do not I'm gonna suggest her, that I... I'm going to tell her that you recommended that I ask again. Thanks, no, man. tell her I think every Star Trek toy is, is silly and people need to get... No, I'm, no, I'm going to tell her that 
when it shows up at our front door as a wedding gift, she's going to know who it's from. <laughs> she will know that I that I got you something from Crate and Barrel Outlet for $30. <laughs> because I, cause I, cause I wasted a bunch of money on this gosh darn August Smart Lock. <laughs> right. Um, yes, apparently, the, the, maybe there's some adult content in here. This uh, Lego kit is for 16 plus, and it, yeah, it's 7,541 7, pieces. Yeah, so it's stuff like sorry, what was I going with this? Yeah, it's stuff like that where you you just like yeah, you don't you don't have time to just say like I'm going to spend a week just doing this thing. No, that sucks. So what what was your when I mentioned the Ethernet cable thing? What was your big revelation? Oh, just because um, I was going to talk about fish tape and <laughs> there um, I uh, when when I'm editing stuff like in Lightroom and things like Wi-Fi is still not fast enough no matter how much I've optimized like my Wi-Fi setup in uh, in my apartment. So like where I keep all my tech stuff or like where like all like the 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 router and the switch and like the routing hardware and stuff is all in an area that's not next to the computer and there's like a big carpeted floor in the middle of it. So unless I want to run an Ethernet cable and just like leave it lying across the floor, like that's not a, that's a non-starter. So this weekend I had a mini project where I uh, used what's called electrician's fish tape to run a flat Ethernet cable under the carpet to run it to my iMac. And it was a successful project, and I was very, very happy. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, what is this? Fish, hold on, fish tape? Do I yeah. have to have safe search on for this? Or Stop is, it. It's like... <laughs> so the one I have is from Klein Tools. I think it's probably the, the, the number one pick or whatever. So basically it's... it's um, like a spool um, of like metal tape. And it's what electricians use to fish wires inside walls and, and other places. So I was able to use this to get a flat Ethernet cable and fish it underneath like 12 feet of carpeting without having to lift up the carpet other than like just at the edge. So I don't, I don't follow how this works. So explain, explain how this worked under the carpet. You you push the thing and the thing and then it comes out the other side. Huh. So, huh. So you. So this so is it... so this is rigid. Like it's just a coil of twenty five feet of just like very rigid steel. Like it's like a measuring tape that doesn't bend really, like or only bends slightly. So you can attach like a cable that you need to push some other place, whether it be like in a wall, like if you're trying to. F like for your whole like space heater or not space heater, like your thermostat thing, like had you needed to put wiring inside of the wall, you could use this to kind of like attach the tape to that and then stick it where you need to go. And rather than just the cable going wherever you want it to, because it's rigid steel, you could kind of force it where it needs to go. Huh. You ran flat Ethernet cable underneath your carpet? Mm hmm Huh. Okay. Yeah, no, it totally worked out, and and that's why there's the the audio on this podcast is perfect because it's not going over Wi Fi. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, as you get old, you don't have time for nothing. Yeah, this this, this was the most productive part of my week. After I after I went to CorgiCon and and uh, did basically three hours of leg workouts because I was crouching down to take pictures of tiny dogs, um, I went and did this, and then I fell asleep. <laughs> so a Saturday well spent. Uh huh. Um, what was my actual pick? Ah, darn it. Uh, let me see if I can find it. No, I think that was it. I do have an anti-pick of the week. Oh, or please. It, it, um, it is the... 
It's things that don't need to be smart that they keep trying to make smart. So you can go on Amazon and you can search for the Oral-B Genius 9000 electric toothbrush. So like my, my, and this is actually another topic we'll talk about another day, not today. Um, that stuff just lasts forever. Like my previous electronic uh, toothbrush I bought in 2009. And, oh, sorry, it's the 8000 model. And I bought a new one. And it's basically the same thing, except now it comes in like a jet black finish. And it has Bluetooth and a bunch of garbage nobody needs. And it costs too much. So this this is not a good product. It's a fine toothbrush, but uh, it, 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 it's, it's, it's not great. So what, what is the... What does the Bluetooth do? I have not installed the app. I don't need any of that. Oh, uh, you, you bought this. Oh, yeah. And also, let me copy the link address to this. Like, this is the part why, that why makes... Why do you have to buy this exact one? There's plenty of cheaper electronic toothbrushes. Um, Because this is the closest to the one I already had. The one that lasted nine years and was great. And the thing that makes no sense to me is it comes with this travel case, which is like, which looks very nice. And it is like versus the plastic blue like thing that I had for my other one. But this one apparently has a little thing where you can charge your cell phone and the toothbrush at the same time in the same case, except the case itself has a proprietary charger. So this makes no sense whatsoever. Huh. And um, the toothbrush has a little ring around, like right at the bottom of where you'd attach the, um, like the actual like toothbrush thingy, and like that uh, like shines a bright red if it thinks you're brushing too hard, like to shame you. Like it's 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 a very, yeah, it's 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 a fine toothbrush, but it's very weird. You definitely need to install the app. I'm not going to install and, the app. And... I I gotta take a screenshot of 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 my smart home garbage folder. I I. I it, it's getting too full for the for the show i think you need to install the app i'm not gonna install the app it's gonna be spyware it's it's gonna no i don't need this it's good there's gonna be some icloud hack and it's gonna be like oh it's, it was all traced to people who had this specific toothbrush it's gonna cause your uh, dental insurance rates to go up oh i'm sure every, everything everything spies on you yeah yeah it's, it's gonna be like i have a pre-existing pre-existing condition right 